If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. And I am your host, Todd Huff. Email, as always, do my best to respond to as many of those emails as possible. Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. You can also connect with us on Facebook. You can also, let's see, connect with us on YouTube and other social channels as well as we're streaming the program live on multiple multiple platforms today. Good to be here. Thank you for joining us. It appears now that the Republicans in the Senate, which again, to go through what we've been talking about the past, well, this entire week now, the past couple of days, Republicans being in control of the executive branch of government with the election of Donald J. Trump in 2016, who, by the way, stood in favor, stood in, well, stood against, I should say, the impeachment. The House impeached him, but they did not remove him from office, even though this caused the left to howl and scream at the universe. President Trump, in spite of all of their efforts, is still president, and as such, maintains, holds the authority to nominate someone to the Supreme Court. That's not something that only is granted to the President of the United States at certain times of the year. It's not something that is available to the President, or it's not a only a valid power, constitutional power of the President in the three years that are not election years in his term. It's all four years. It's a full-time thing. If he's president, he has the power. This is not complicated for those who confuse and conflate this. It's either for one of two reasons. Number one, they're just genuinely confused. Number two, they're deliberately trying they're deliberately trying to um, mislead you. It is an absolute power of the executive branch. It is a power that is defined clearly for the president to have at all time, all times. Now, because our founders were geniuses in many, many ways, they said this is not a power that is only, only reserved for the president. The president can make an appointment, can make a nomination to the high court, but we want another branch of the government to have oversight, and so they declared that the Senate 
would have a, an advise and consent role, an advise and consent role in the president's nominations. That power, just like the president's power, applies to the U.S. Senate when that U.S. Senate is, uh, you know, in, in a certain um, uh, during a congressional cycle, a term, a two-year term of the Senate. You know, it's the hundred, whatever the I don't even know the number of the Congress, but it's a such and such number of Congress. That term of Congress which has clearly defined start and end dates during said period of time, which we are not outside of those time constraints at this point. By the way, when we are outside of those time constraints, it begins the, the new Congress. So there's not a time where there's not, you know, these powers are not available to the Senate and to the president. These are powers that are given to them as defined in the Constitution and it is the prerogative of both the president and the Senate to do their respective jobs in this search, if you will, in this process of filling the seat vacated by Ruth Bader Ginsburg with her uh, tragic passing over over the pa- this past weekend. President Trump says he's making an announcement at the White House on Saturday naming his new pick and – the Senate now, 51 of them, Republicans, that's a majority. There's 100 seats in the Senate. 51 of the 53, perhaps 52 of the 53. You know, the Lisa Murkowski um, position, she's, she's since kind of clarified this. I saw this. Actually, I was being interviewed yesterday, and I, I actually made this kind of this point. I said, look, I don't necessarily know. What Murkowski and Collins, Senators Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins, meant when they said they think you know they're not in favor of proceeding with a nominee prior to the election. I don't know that that uniformly rules out that they'll vote for that nominee. It may just have been, hey, I don't think we should be doing this. It may mean no matter who the nominee is, I'm going to vote against him or her. It's going to be a her. I'm going to vote against her because because it is something I just oppose. I, they don't. I don't know if they clarified that. And I said that yesterday during the interview, and, and someone listening in the chat box had shared something I hadn't seen yet. This is in the Alaska. This is at AlaskaPublic.org headline: Alaska's Senator Murkowski says she can't can't rule out voting for Trump's Supreme Court pick. This posted yesterday. She said, I know everyone wants to ask the question, will you confirm the nominee? We don't have a nominee yet, she continued. You and I don't know who that is, and so I can't confirm whether or not I can confirm a nominee when I don't know who the nominee is. And so that is one of the two that is listed as a, you know, someone who's in opposition against Trump's pick, or at least Trump's plan to announce a pick this week. She's out there saying she can't tell us she'll vote for or against this person. So anyway, the point is Republicans, after Mitt Romney yesterday, said that he's supporting, he, he's on board with pursuing or you know, continuing this process of Trump filling the seat vacated by Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, and and he, Mitt, Mitt Romney said this yesterday. And so when that happened, I saw this headline in the 
the New York Times that we tweeted out, that you could almost feel the headline. You could feel that they were crossing their fingers, hoping that Mitt Romney would come on board with this ludicrous position that suggests, that states, the Senate cannot exercise its constitutional authority because there's an election. What on earth? Because there's an election. The Senate can choose to say we're not going to act just as they did in 2016. I don't understand what's so hard to understand about this. I really don't. I think if you if someone doesn't understand this, they just they they just fundamentally need to have some things explained to them and I'm happy to do it. Don't misunderstand. But they just need to have a fundamental understanding of what American the, the American system of government the Constitution. It is clear. There's nothing even remotely close to saying that this cannot be done. There may be people who say politically it should not be done. There may be politically uh, people out there who say this absolutely should be done. And both can make their case. And it might depend case by case on who you are, where you're, you know, where you're up for election or re-election, I guess, in the case of senators who would be voting on this. But there's a lot of factors and a lot of uh, a lot of things at play here. But just because something politically may not be advisable or whatever doesn't mean it cannot be done. I don't understand again the the difficulty in in grasping this. I don't know if if people believe that you know that everything um, in this world is is dictated to us by some you know some power some group of people that can say yes we'll permit this no we can't permit this the, the constitution allows for this the constitution allows for this and that's the end of the story republicans have power the constitution says they can do it there you go now it appears it appears that trump is poised to make his announcement which he said he'll make on saturday of his nominee one can expect that meetings either have or will take place Today, yesterday, the next few days, where Trump will meet with his top couple of picks, maybe just his top pick. We don't know. See, the, this is the thing. The beauty of what, the, what Trump has done here, he's announced his um, – he, he's, he's released his list. He's released his list. I, I've said before that I think Trump should have said, look, here's my list. And as I think about what you guys did with Brett Kavanaugh, I'm going to say – Here's my list of 20 nominees. If you have a problem with any of these 20, if if any of these 20 are going to elicit the sort of response we saw Brett Kavanaugh get before the Senate, back here a couple of whatever that was, um, a couple of, was that two years ago? Or that, yeah, two years ago now. Anyway, yeah, it was. I think, I guess it was two years ago. The point is, whenever this... If if this is going to happen to anybody else, here's 20 names. You don't have to drag them through the mud at this point in time, but go ahead and put a little star next to the person. Go ahead and send an anonymous email to this account. My administration will monitor those. If any if any of these nominees are going to warrant this sort of response, speak now or forever hold your peace. And we'll do this quietly, the way this should have been done with Kavanaugh, if it was, in, in fact, legitimate allegations and this whole thing was was uh, not orchestrated or played uh, for political purposes as it was by uh, the radicals on the left. But let's just say for a moment 
You have a problem with one of these 20, two of these 20. If you have problems with 20 out of 20, folks, then I'm beginning to say you're not really interested in in doing your job and, and, and looking at the merits of the person you're trying to character, engage in character assassination and so forth. But so this list has been out there. And to some extent, uh, of course, he's he's updated the list or released a, a list that had the names of Cruz and, and other folks, Josh Hawley from, from Missouri. But my point is, is that he's had his list. We know he's made it known from the beginning. Biden won't release a list. Biden said he would release a list. Now he says he's not going to, and he gives a couple of silly reasons as to why. But I'll tell you why he doesn't want to release a list. If he releases a list of nominees and they appear to moderate, he's going to lose the socialists in this election. If he releases a list that has the name of radical extreme leftists, he's going to lose the moderates. Either one of these two things cause problems for Joe Biden in here in the next six weeks. So the question is, I mean, if there's a vacancy, he's going to appoint somebody. And we know he's hiding it for political purposes. Trump's out there being transparent. Trump's going to pick names on this list. It appears the experts tell us it's going to be Amy Coney Barrett. Now, I don't know. I don't have any inside information. It's not a surprise. Her name was the first one I thought of because she was close to being the selection from what reports were when Brett Kavanaugh was was appointed. I believe it was said at the time that Trump was holding on to her for when, if and when there was a vacancy uh, made by, you know, with, with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She'd been in uh, declining health, health problems for quite some time. Apparently, Trump wanted to make sure he replaced a female on the court with another female. I don't know. So it's not surprising that her name's in this mix. But we know that this is not going to be an easy, simple process. Some people have already speculated, postulated that because Amy Coney Barrett is a Catholic, we're about to see, we're about to witness some anti-Catholic bigotry as we move in to this this process of getting her, if she's the pick, nominated to confirmed on the high court. So Republicans now appear to be poised to move forward with this. It appears that they have the votes in theory, unless, of course, through this confirmation process, there's a reason, which the only reason at this point, if I must be so blunt as to say, would be something that they thought would hurt them politically something the media would incessantly attack them on, something like that. But Trump has emboldened Republicans in ways that, in fact, I want to talk about that next segment. I want to talk about what happens, what has happened since 2016. I think some of some of us need to, to just pause and think, you know, there's been a lot of things that, of course, the culturally – Politically have just been atrocious with the way people have responded, the way people have uh, in the past four years, their hatred for this country has has reached new heights. But I want to look at it from the perspective of looking at these – the people who are serving in our government. I use that word a little bit loosely because they get compensated quite well and they get a lot of of perks. (laughs) But but – um, you look at – they've been empowered. They've, they have kind of a renewed sense of, of strength that I think can be traced back 
to one Donald J. Trump. This didn't happen. This sort of thing. I don't think, I don't, I think Republicans would have caved had this something like this happened prior to Donald Trump, given the environment that we're facing today. Maybe not, but I think, uh, I think that there are a lot of, there's been a lot of wimps in these positions. And so to, to, to just basically shrug off all these accusations, allegations, attacks and so forth by the left, by the media, and say, look, it's our constitutional authority. We're going to proceed with this. Say about it, you know, threaten us as you will, threaten political retribution as you have done, but we are going to proceed here with this choice, with this process of nominating whomever it is. Could be Amy Coney Barrett, could be uh, a couple of other females that Trump might nominate as well. But anyway, talk about... Talk about how the landscape has changed since 2016, which it has, and it's because of Trump. It's because of Trump, and it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me the never-Trumpers, the folks that, you know, held their nose. And I understand some things, but look, this is a political battle. This is actually a cultural, I would even maintain, spiritual and cultural battle, which manifests itself on on the political playing field. And we have to fight there. We have to win there. And whatever you think about Trump, like him, hate him, the guy knows how to engage in said battles on the political battlefield. And he has empowered he has empowered a lot of Republicans to find a little bit of that bravado and strength as well. We'll talk about that after the break. Sit tight. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. By the way, be advised, listening to this program can stop and even eliminate, cure liberalism. In fact, it may cause you to lean to the right as you're listening to this program. So if you're operating heavy machinery, driving into work this morning, be careful. You might find yourself veering to the right here. Be back in just a minute. So for the break, talking about how this is setting up for Trump and the Republicans, good, good. Kudos to Mitch McConnell. I think I said this yesterday. Kudos to Mitch McConnell for actually standing firm and standing strong, standing next to, standing behind, standing uh, upon your constitutional authority to do your job, to fill that seat and it might sound weird if I don't know look whether you are a new uh, someone who's just started following politics, whether you're someone who's followed it for some time, or whether you're an expert in all things political, you understand uh, the details and the nuances and the just all things pertaining to American history and the Constitution and all this case law, whatever. Whatever your background, whatever your pers- uh, perspective, how much you know, how much you know about these these issues, uh, it might it might change. Some folks may not really be aware of how wimpy Republicans have been over time. If you've only been following it for the past couple of years, and that's fine if you have. The important thing is that you are now. 
which that's something else I want to talk about. I want to talk about, I want to talk about people who act as though politics is not their problem. I'm not saying you have to be a political animal, but you better pay attention to what these jokers are doing because it absolutely affects your life. It affects how much money you have in your pocket. It affects how much freedom you have. It affects what you are allowed to say. It affects whether you can carry a gun to protect your family. It it affects your ability to be safe if you decide to go to a, a city, right? The way that these jokers are responding to the police and violence, riots, defund, dismantle the police. It affects all aspects of your life. It, is, it, it affects your ability to pass things on to the next generation when it's time uh, when your time on this planet is is coming to an end and you want to you know you want to bequeath that to someone whatever the case it all it, it affects everything it affects whether you can go to church in places whether you can sing at church if you're there these are things that it affects anyway but i want to talk about that talk about that as well but but going back to this issue of of president trump and how he is empowered republicans i don't i don't know if you haven't followed this for some time <clears throat> at least i would say at least 5 years i don't know if it's obvious to you <clears throat> or if it would be obvious period just how far republicans have come in in my opinion in this journey as i said back in 2016 there were two things two things we were looking for, at least I was looking for, in a president. One was one, a president who was actually conservative, one that was in, uh, interested in returning America to her fundamental roots, her roots um, of limited government, of liberty, of low taxation, of the the perspective, the the mindset that says the government works for the people, not that the people are servants of the government. I have to pause in the world that we live in today and say I'm not, I'm not lumping in America's um, the way that, that that slavery was part of this nation's founding. That is something that is I find reprehensible, and that is something that the founders created a way for that to be dealt with, uh, dealt with, and uh, eliminated, which is what we we've seen. You know, it took a, a civil war and all sorts of things um, and, and some really dark times in America's history, some trying times, but also some really uh, inspiring times when you look at some of the things that people did to eradicate slavery and to make uh, – to, to, to fight for the freedom of people who were once incorrectly and uh, un inexcusably viewed as as property or slaves now they're now they're viewed as people who all people are viewed in the american system now as having the rights that are enumerated in the constitution all men are created equal that statement that we find in the declaration now applies to everyone so i'm not taking that part out but we, but everything else that our founders did, 
I mean, it was it was brilliant. This system that they established, this focus on liberty, and it unleashed prosperity. It unleashed this the the freedom. What we have, what we can do when we're allowed to follow our own dreams, desires, call of God, whatever the case may be, as He has equipped us, as He has prepared us to live, to be able to pursue that wholeheartedly without any hesitation or fear. Maybe there's fear. Maybe there's hesitation, but it's not because of the government. It's because of other things. It's because of other factors that we have to deal with in life, lack of faith or not being certain of what we should, whatever the case may be, not having resources or the background or knowledge or education or whatever the case may be. It's not the government, and it should not be the government. And so we needed two things back in 2016. We needed someone who embraced those constitutional concepts, limited government and liberty is the simplest and quickest way to say it, but there's lots of things that that fall under those umbrellas. But the other thing is we needed someone who was not a wimp. For Republicans, for conservatives like myself who had followed this for a quarter century, a half century now, whatever the, the length of time for We've seen wimps, folks. We've seen wimps that refuse to stand up to Democrats, that refuse to stand up to the media, that refuse to define terms correctly, that refuse to push back on the way that they're maligned in the media, the way that they're attacked in the media, the way that they're misrepresented by the media and by the Democrat Party. They refuse to do this. And as a result, it's made the case for conservatism weaker, not because of the ideas, not because of the soundness of the ideology, but instead because of the intestinal fortitude or lack thereof of those who are carrying the banner or who have carried the banner supposedly of conservatism. They've often been wimpy, not strong enough. And so now that has changed. And so I I know it, it might sound weird to say, if you've not followed politics in a while, kudos to Mitch McConnell, kudos to Mitt Romney, Kudos, it sounds like, possibly, to Lisa Murkowski. Kudos to the Republican caucus in the Senate for agreeing that we are going to fulfill our constitutional authority. Our constitu- We're going to uh, basically band together and make sure that we can exercise our constitutional authority no matter what the media says, no matter what the Democrat Party says, no matter what sorts of political retaliation and retribution the Democrats promised to levy upon us if they should ever win power. Now, I would actually say that could be a a campaign uh, that, could, that could help the Republican campaign. Folks, do you really want to elect a group of people that are promising political retribution, political retaliation? You tell us that you were looking for a country that can be at peace with itself again. Do you really think that we get there by by electing people who have promised political retaliation and retribution. See, normally these tactics work, but they do not work with the Donald J. Trump in the White House. He has empowered not just that executive branch, folks, but he is – and I don't mean this in a bad way. I don't mean an abuse of your power. We don't want someone acting outside the the scope of their constitutional power. So in that sense, I'm not talking to that kind of power. I'm just saying the power to fulfill your constitutional duties. The president the president has emboldened not just those in the White House, those on his team, but he's emboldened people in the Senate, in the House, 
people out in average everyday middle America. I have a friend who's a town councilman. Trump, I, I think he would tell you, that has, has inspired the way he goes about his business. It's not always everybody's style, but I'll tell you this, he's cleaned up some problems. Anyway, long in this segment. Oz has given up telling me it's time to take a break because it is time to take a break. Quick time out. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back. I mentioned earlier in the program, by the way, this is going to be a really short segment because I was long-winded last segment, but um, I, I mentioned earlier that if Trump nominates Amy Coney Barrett for the high court, Amy Coney Barrett is a uh, is Catholic, and some have postulated, some have predicted even, that if this is the case, we're about to witness a lot of anti-Catholic bigotry in this nomination process. And of course, six weeks out from an election, is this really a good idea? I saw a poll. I don't look. I don't know what I think about polls uh, other than I'm, I'm skeptical of polls. I think that they consistently lean to the left. I think that that's demonstrable, sometimes just a couple of points, sometimes several points. But it's almost always the case that polling is overrepresents the numbers from uh, from the left and from the Democrats than they do from conservatives and from Republicans. Maybe it's easier to reach people for polling who are in the basement of mommy and daddy's house since they don't work than it is to reach Republicans, conservatives. I don't know, but but there's there's this component of this. But I saw that Biden, in, a, in one poll, was up 12 points among Catholic voters over Trump, which is crazy to me because the central I, I would the central issue for Catholic voters, I would think, or at least one of the really core. Issues would be the issue of abortion. I mean, I would think based upon I'm not I'm not Catholic. I'm a Protestant, but my Catholic friends and brothers and sisters, I would think would, from what I know about Catholicism, I've got friends who are Catholic. I I don't know how they reconcile this. How they reconcile if this poll is in fact correct that they're choosing Biden over Trump just. If you look at their stances on abortion, pro-life issues, it's – I mean it should be as clear as day. Trump should be up – well, I'd say 100 <laughs> percent. I'd say 100 um, percent. But anyway, I, look, so there's going to be all sorts of political calculations done. But some of these folks in the Senate, they're politically ice or immune. There's no consequence because they've been elected – in places that they – it doesn't matter what they do. They're not going to lose. They can say whatever they want, make any allegation. They can malign, attack any group of people. And so this might happen, and this might hurt other other 
people running for office who are Democrats by association here if they attack her faith, which, again, you say, Todd, why are you jumping to this conclusion? Well, because I'm basing it upon what we saw in 2018 with Brett Kavanaugh. 2018 with Brett Kavanaugh. I mean, it went completely off the rails. They attacked this guy, maligned this guy to the point to where he wasn't even allowed to coach his little his girls' little league basketball team because he was basically viewed as some sexual predator. And they ruined this guy's reputation, publicly dragged him through the mud, put us through things that never had to happen. They never had to happen. They happened because the Democrats politically wanted them to happen. This is how they operate. Not every Democrat that you know, but those in positions of power in Washington, D.C. absolutely act like this. It's on display for all of us to see. And so it seems to stand to reason that there's at least conversations as to whether or not they're going to go after her Catholic faith, the role of faith in a Supreme Court justice's mind, whatever that might look like. They might straight up, straight up attack Catholicism. I want to talk about that. I want to talk to my, my, my Christian brothers and sisters too. And I, you know, I know if you're listening to this program, you're not uh, – you're engaged in politics. But you undoubtedly know people who are Christians who say, I'm just not interested in politics. And I get that to a point. I get that to a point. But I want to talk about maybe how to talk to those people, especially as we may be embarking upon an attack on Amy Coney Barrett's faith. Again, who knows? Maybe we get through it without having to go through that. But the the idea that they just accept defeat here and that the court is going to be tipped further away from liberal judicial activists towards those who actually try to interpret the law and the Constitution, they're not going to take that lightly. This is, as I've said before, this is kind of like their, uh, their their holy priesthood. This is how they view this. For those in the radical, the, the portion of the radical left that's the atheist, godless radical left, this is their God. So talk about that quickly as we're coming to an end here. This, this hour, sit tight. You're listening to The Home of Conservative, Not Bitter Talk. Be back here in just a minute. Welcome back. Fox and friends must be listening to this program. They would be well advised to do that. But as I'm looking here, literally as I was going to break, Appears that Refinery29 and Newsweek, again, I'm looking at Fox News screenshot here, how charismatic Catholic groups like Amy Coney Barrett's People of Praise inspired The Handmaid's Tale. I had to get a little bit of education from Oz here behind the scenes on what exactly The Handmaid's uh, Tale was, but that's effectively um, the patriarchy, a group of religious fundamentalists in America's history that established this dystopian society uh, of course uh, you know just um, just a bunch of bad stuff from from not allowing uh, women to to choose to not allowing for freedom and you know um, basically ruling 
um, as though they have control over people's lives as as part of their religious doctrine and so forth. That was Newsweek. Refinery29's headline, Did Amy Coney Barrett's Religious Group Inspire the Handmaid's Tale? So this is a part of what may be coming. This, these could just be outliers, but again, what we know from the media, what we know from the radical left, this is par for the course. And by the way, I guess Trump met. I didn't know he met with her yet. I thought he was meeting with her, Amy Coney Barrett, later this week. But I guess he'd met with her earlier this week. But he had mentioned meeting possibly with a couple of others. Anyway, as we move towards uh, Saturday when he's going to announce the pick. Anyway, really quickly as we're dwindling, time is dwindling here. But, you know, for you, you probably know Christians who say things like God is God is in control. God doesn't let it. God is absolutely in control. But he allows us to be idiots sometimes. He allows us to, to, I mean, we were created to be free. And so while God is certainly in control, we have a role in this. In fact, the Bible tells us that we're God's workmanship. You know, we're kind of working alongside God. He's the boss. We're not God, but he wants us to work alongside him. And when we stop doing that in an aspect of our life, bad things can happen. And that's I, for the Christians who basically say, look, Whoever God wants to be president or whatever, whatever form of government, whatever law that's passed, that's I don't want to engage in that because God's in control. Of course, God's in control, but God's also in control of what uh, food we food that we have. But I think Christians still get up and and go to work. I think Christians still provide for their family. I think Christians still take their children to church, teach them biblical values, tell them stories. Why would we? draw the line at politics is it because it's intimidating we i mean i I just i don't understand that um from again i'm talking to my christian friends or for those of you who know christians who who disengage from politics because of this i think erroneous notion that we're not supposed to be involved we're not supposed to care god's in control whatever happens is god's will i just i mean you look at the the whole old testament is Stories of people who stood up. Um, I don't say the whole, but a big chunk of it. I'm thinking of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, Ruth, Esther. I mean, all these standing up to things that were happening bad, oftentimes from from government leaders with Pharaoh, with the example of Moses. There's lots of examples like that. We need to do that here. And I'm out of time. Quick timeout. Come back and wrap up. Be back in just a minute. That is all the time we have today. I want to make I want to tell you something too. This is a two hour program, two hour program. We're also self uh, self syndicated, so that basically means that uh, there's a lot of things that we do um, with our program that you know as as we grow, we just there's things that I've got to manage, and so for the next little bit, we're going to be just down to one hour, so I can tend to some other things. As we uh, experience some, uh, just you know, some it's good. It's all you know. We're we're dealing with growth and trying to figure a few things out as we continue to grow and improve the program. So anyway, bear with me. That will be returning second hour very soon. Got to go. SDG. Thanks for listening. Take care.